Does Tylenol kill snakes? Well, in high doses, it'll kill you. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, October 3rd, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 240. This is No Agenda. Hiding from the 15 Chinooks patrolling the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from the Pacific Northwest hideout, uh, where, by the way, we got started at 9.01. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. You see, we've been married so long, John, that uh, I expected you to... Say, are you ready? And uh, I figured I'd surprise you by being ready. I kind of miss the fat woman singing. <laughs> no, no, no. You always say, who cares? It's, it's five after nine. Let's get started. Let's do it. But if you want, I, I can do exactly the way I sound. Yes. <laughs> Again, when you're married for as long as we've been married, then you, know, you can actually emulate each other. It's a beautiful thing. Well, in the morning to you, John, all ships at sea and... Human resources. In the chat room at noagendachat.net. Hope you're all charged up. Our human resource officers are moderating, ready to spank you. And it's a commemorative week. <laughs> oh, it is? <laughs> yes, it's the Rick Sanchez commemorative week. <laughs> I got to tell you that um, this is great. So Rick Sanchez, for those of you who do not know, uh, is uh, a guy. Actually, I bought his book and I read about half of it. That he was hawking this, uh, can, what is it, um, inconvenient sanity or some? I can't even remember. Inconvenient sanity. Oh, I got to look know, up the name of this book. You no, know, you are. <laughs> you people should. I want to tell everyone. Please donate to the show dvorak.org slash na because anybody who's as dedicated as Adam <laughs> to go out and read the Rick Sanchez book deserves deserves support. You know, I, you know, I wasn't going to even think. I wasn't even going to look at it. No, no. Here, well, the thing is, I got it on iBooks. It's called uh, here. It is. Uh, uh, conventional idiocy. There you go. Conventional idiocy. And I and I start reading this book. I'm like, the guy really is a dick. I mean, he's like, you know, well, what you do? I'm not just an anchor who reads the teleprompter. Uh, I I will read your tweets, and uh, we really get into the shells. And uh, it wasn't until I listened to this 20 minute piece of audio, which of course uh, we're not going to play any of. That, oh, no, that, we have to play some because I clipped together. Oh, my God. Wait, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, my God. I, oh clipped, my God. I took pieces from the thing and I clipped them together so seamlessly. And I want to warn people that this is edited. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Unlike, unlike mainstream news. Well, before, unlike be, mainstream before, news. before we play it, let me just say. So what, what has happened here is the story is, and I have a different theory, but the story is that he got fired because he was on... Sirius XM, all right, which no one listens to except for the Howard Stern show. They were on Sirius XM, and he apparently said, according to the reports, Jews run the media. Yeah. I mean, that's kind this, of what he said. That's not what he said, but okay. So you've kind of what he said. You have three minutes and 55 seconds of this douchebag? It's it's so seamly. You can cut. You can play it and cut and play it and cut. But I mean, you should just at least play it so we, people know what we're talking about. Because the douchebaggery is is kind of high emphasis on this. And we both have always felt this guy was just an unwatchable. In fact, he's such an unwatchable douchebag that you have to watch him. You just sit there and go, "Oh my god!" And he's always talking about you know when I was growing up, 
And my daddy, you know, he worked on the truck and we had to drive 5,000 miles. And then the woman the, at the rich woman lady's house, spit on us. And she wouldn't let me use the bathroom. I had to go outside and drink from the creek. <laughs> People spit on us. Yes. He used to get that one too. Now, he's a, he's a Cuban immigrant, I believe, right? Things well, from- that's what he says. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I, I never even knew. I never thought. I thought he just was a white guy who changed his name to Sanchez to get more work. Well, well quite the opposite is true because apparently at CNN, uh, no, was it the ABC? No, at CNN they feel that if you're if you or if you're Hispanic, you should be a Hispanic news reporter and not and not an anchor who doesn't read teleprompter. The, the curious thing is that the guy who was his mentor who brought him up was fired the week before. Uh, and so they, they're now that he, he was gone. Oh, I didn't uh, know they, that. Who, who, who was that? The can? Well, uh, let me. It's kind of ironic because the guy's name is Jonathan Klein. He's oh, Jewish. Hey, can you just uh, turn down your um, turn down your speakers? Just a little bit. I'm not allowed to play that one anymore. Hold on. Turn down your speakers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just a little. It's just because it's grating. Yeah, but so, okay. So anyway, so this guy Jonathan Klein was his mentor and his, you know, his his, his supporter. He was the go-to oh, uh, guy, and also and also a, a Cuban immigrant. John- <laughs> so Klein was fired last the week before, and so now they're thinking, what are we going to do about the Sanchez guy? We got to get rid of him, and so they're just waiting for something for him to screw up. He should have just laid low, which he didn't <laughs> do, and then they got rid of him. That was the end of it. You know what but, Mickey said when I because she she hates the guy. Rick's List, you know, I, I watch Rick's List every day. Like, I got to watch Rick's List because I can't believe what's happening on television. And uh, when he said, yeah, we got fired for uh, apparently saying that Jews were on the media. He said, oh, I actually gained some respect for the guy now. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, well, it'll get you fired if you, you know, but the guy, John Klein, is a Jewish. I mean, the yeah. whole thing is he did, But he didn't even say that. It's so ridiculous. You know why Sanchez got fired? Because he sucked. That's why he got fired. The guy just sucked. Love you, baby. I agree. Sucked. The guy sucked. And, you and he never actually said it, but he, kind of, but he implied it to such an extreme that it was a good excuse. And besides that, it wasn't the only thing he said. He was just, he was acting like a jerk. He was He's whining. He was he sucks. He sucks. The guy just totally sucks. I'll and play love. a bit of the clip. Play the clip. I think to a certain extent, John Stewart and Colbert are, are, are the same way. I think John Stewart's a bigot. I think he I think looks... John Stewart's a bigot. Hold on. Uh, now, now, now we're going to get in there. John Stewart, I, I my think, old boss, I, I my think, friend. Yeah, I think he's a bigot. How is he a bigot? I think he looks at the world through uh, uh, his mom, who was a school teacher, and his dad, who was a uh, physicist or something like that. Great. I'm so happy that he... Did you have your vibrator on while you recorded this? What? what, what you know, what? I have an unbalanced lineup here, and it creates a slight hum. D- sl- <laughs> <laughs> Turn down your dildo. Grew up in a suburban, middle-class New Jersey home with everything that you could ever what imagine. What is he bigoted towards? Everybody else who's not like him. Look at his show. I mean, what does he surround himself uh, with? I, I, but listen. I think John's show is essentially prejudicial. I think against that John's show... The, the word prejudicial, prejudicial came up 18 times. I can't even pronounce it. Prejudicial. You just did. Well, I have to work on it. Prejudicial, which means uh, prejudiced. It means bigoted. <laughs> Why didn't you just say bigoted? It's so much easier. He did, but the word he, <laughs> you know, the other guy implied that the word, you know, bigoted. If you look up the def, look up right now. Go look up on Webster's dot com. Bigoted, and read the definition. God. 
Don, you, you, you got me. Hold on. All right. Bigoted. Uh, loading. Bigot even. No, bigoted. It's got, it's got results. Uh, utterly intolerant of any creed, belief, or opinion that differs from one's own. Is that it? Yeah, that's all it is. Right. But now, so if you have an opinion, but it doesn't have to be just your, your, all your opinions. If you have one opinion, as I was explaining to the kids last night, say you don't like butter. You bigot. I hate butter. <laughs> oh, I think butter's good. No, no, butter sucks. I think it's terrible. You're I would never bigot. It. It's terrible. You're a so butter you're a bigot. bigot. You're a butter bigot. A butter bigot. <laughs> so what? You're butter bigot. So bigot is not really a bad word is what you're saying. Words matter here on the No Agenda Show. I don't think it's a bad word, but I think it's used as a bad word. What it always it, what it, in, this, in, this, in the popular context, it implies some sort of racist thing. But he's oh the guy that southern senator's a bigot. But pre- just, there's an assumption of racism in the word in the word use right, itself. Right, but, but pre- prejudicial is more like is prejudgmental. Now, who cares? Let me listen to this against anybody who doesn't agree with his point of view, which is very much a white liberal establishment point of view. He can't relate to a guy like me. He can't relate to a guy whose dad worked all his life. He can't relate to somebody who grew Here he goes. Here he goes with it. His dad worked all, my, my dad worked all his life, too. <laughs> so did mine. Yeah, it's, gee, I can't relate. He can't relate he can't to all. Crazy. Whoa, whoa, somebody. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, whoa. Be I'd be careful with the word bigot. I'd be careful right, I'll with take it. the word bigot back. I'll say prejudice. Look at what I did. <laughs> because bigot's such a bad word. Here. Uninformed. Because Mark Twain said that you don't really become a man until you've uh, yeah, had know. a child, planted a tree, and written a book. Did Mark Twain really say that? I, I have not found it. I, I looked for it, too. I was, uh, I was uh, pooping before the show, and I was listening to this. And he said, Mark Twain said you have to have a child. What was it? Have a child. Write a book, plant, plant a tree. Plant, no, write a child, plant a tree, write a book. I'm like... Okay. And then the funny thing about Sanchez here, he says, uh, he says, uh, so I wrote a book. <laughs> what are you going to do? The other- <laughs> Maybe I didn't Google it right. <laughs> uh, I can't find it. I can't find this. Uh- Maybe somebody in the chat room or one Maybe of our someone can find us this yeah. quote yeah, from Mark that Twain. I believe he just made up. <laughs> he made it up, too. He just wants to equate himself to Mark Twain. Well, I've read your book, Inconvenient Douchebag, whatever it's called, Conventional Idiocy. That's exactly what it is. You're no Mark Twain. And that stuck with me a long, long time ago, and I've always wanted to write a book. And because I'm not... And because you know you can sell it on your TV show. Wait, let let, let me get back to the Jon Stewart thing. You ready? Oh, wait, hold on, stop. You've said it. This is the thing that fascinates me the most about this, and the only reason I want to play this clip is that he brought out his, he had his two or three slams of Jon Stewart and this, and the interviewer was going to take him down some other path and then we're going to keep, keep talking about mostly about, you know, his background or whatever. And this guy latches on and insists on going back to the topic so he can slam Stewart more and then get himself into a heap of trouble. He basically got himself fired at, the, at this very moment. Your anger your concerns and frustrations is what inspired me to write this book. From you I hear what is really on the minds of ordinary Americans 
what you're thinking, what you're talking about, and above all, what you're sick of. From the bankers who recklessly gambled with our money, to the politicians who play on our worst fears and prejudices, to the media demagogues who spread ignorance for ratings. <laughs> no, Here's my... Bu- Wait, I'm not done. Rick Sanchez Here's, calls John Sword a bigot. It's going he, viral. Okay, you know? it's not bigot. It's you, you prejudicial. Back, but... Prejudicial. Um, he, here's the other point about that. Now, what the hell was I going to say? I was going to talk. You okay. said you want to go back to John Stewart. I have a lot. I have a lot to say, and unfortunately, it's all uninteresting. I so, think I have a lot. Yeah. So Eric came up with the uh, with he thinks it's HL or he says it's HL Mencken who made that quote. Hmm. Hey, uh, Eric also wanted you to unplug your phone. Hey, I sent the bat signal. Today. The phone is unplugged. Did anybody what? receive the bat signal? I don't think the bat signal went out for some reason. Let me send it again. Yeah, let me try it again. Anyway, I can't listen to this guy anymore. Can we just stop? Oh, come on. on. Re- it gets better. It's almost <laughs> done. Say, I've already heard it this morning. <laughs> of my life experiences, because of what I've done in my life, because of the way I've grown up, because of my failures, because of my successes. All- I am the American hero. I am the American dream, damn it. All of that. And when you turn on a show or listen to someone's writings and they minimize listen when you listen writings? on audible.com he's, he's a shill for audible <laughs> crazy and treat you like you don't matter like you're just a piece of you're just a dumb like you're a dumb jock or a dumb woman or a dumb puerto rican or i love this he goes from dumb jock which is not anything you know that's just someone who uh does sports to a dumb woman and then all of a sudden you're a wetback it's like he took that really far. I'm Cuban or another dumb Mexican, which uh, is no, wait a minute, I stop. Think. He did, he says a woman, I bet, no, or another dumb Mexican, as though there's <laughs> bunches of them, <laughs> or a dumb Puerto Rican, or a dumb Cuban, or another dumb Mexican. <laughs> Which is the way I feel whenever I watch John Stewart. I can't help but say, and then you just asked me why I wrote this book. I wrote this book because I want people to know that I don't just sit there and read the teleprompter. I am a complex human. See, this is why he got fired because that's your job. Your job is to sit there and read the teleprompter on CNN. This is why you got canned. That had nothing to do with with anything about this interview. It's because you suck and you yeah, go you I go off script. You. No, by the way, the suck. streams. The stream's dead. No, it's not dead. It's twitchy. He didn't say it's dead. It's twitchy. Okay, go ahead. Let me just. It's a loose wire somewhere. Support the show. Human being. I'm not some 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 moron. To why be. are you being so sensitive? Why are you? Why do you? Because I'm tired of. He's yeah, but he's. I'm tired of being bullied. He should have put the pulled out the bully card on this one. I thought. Oh yeah. He should have pulled yeah, out the bully card. An entertainer, but 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 no, he's not. Me, he wouldn't pick Dude, on me if I didn't matter. Every he wouldn't pick on if I was if just he didn't matter, if, why I, would he, if yeah. I was just the 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 Hispanic guy who read the news at CNN and paid attention and just read the teleprompter every day very carefully and never said anything never had a personality uh then i'd be fine he would he wouldn't pick on me and very few of us will say the things that i've just said are actually more complex than they think Stewart's, we are and we get Stewart's them. a minority as much as you are he's he come on how is Stewart. he a minority? yeah it's it, uh, yeah Rick. very powerless people <laughs> Whoa. He's such a minority. I mean, you know, uh, please. What are you kidding? He's, he's, you're telling me that. that I'm telling you that everybody who runs CNN is a lot like Stewart. And a lot of people who run. Oh, okay. There you go. So that's how people come up with the, he said the Jews run CNN. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is so nuts. All the other networks are a lot like Stewart. And to imply that somehow they, uh, the people in this country who are Jewish, are an oppressed minority? Yeah. They have a history of oppression, no? No question about that. Rick, I got to go because uh, I got to take... Okay, he, he, he did kind of say it there, but that's not why yeah. he got fired. He got fired because he sucks. No, they were... Wait, no, let's face it. Once his mentor left... Uh, he was fair game because this happens. I, in, this happens in magazines. It happens, happens in, all the time. They're just waiting for a reason to fire. With me at MTV, it was my hair, and all. And finally, they just decided if you don't cut your hair, you're fired. Well, fine, fire me. Seven times that happened. There you go. Yeah. But the point is, in all broadcasting, all media, uh, newspapers, magazines, and uh, uh, TV, radio, when the, when the guy who who supported you brought you in, you're you're his guy. When he's gone, yeah. Duh. The likelihood of you sticking around is zero. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, and that's why, uh, and of course, CNN is, is a commercial entity, and that's why I'm so happy we have struck upon a completely different way of doing business here uh, because we don't have... The only person who could affect this show by, by being gone is you or me. No one else. There, there's no Uber Lords. There's nothing else. Nothing oh, can maybe happen. Paul Couture. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul Couture left. Then, then, we're, then we're totally beginning to have to Then we're month. dead. Then we're dead. Yeah, that's true. Because he does check in today, doesn't he? He's, uh, so we, we have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He could be lording it over us. Yeah, we, we need some more Paul Coutures because we're, we're in a very precarious situation here with only one guy basically supporting the show entirely. So, uh, well, we call him a patron. So, Paul Couture, so we do have uh, one executive producer and uh, one, two, three uh, associates the, this week. And the executive producer, again, is Paul Couture, who is... Sir uh, Paul. Sir Paul, I'm sorry. Uh, Sir Paul, who is uh, working on... And we got it, by the way, we, we, we have a mailing going out, and we, and, or people can email us. Uh, if you're a knight expecting your ring, we need your ring size. Now, how does one size your finger? Well, you're going to either have to go to a jeweler and have and stick your finger in a hole. <laughs> and well, that's a it's a ring sizing hole. Yeah. They usually have this this little uh, this like a stick with a whole bunch of rings on it and you and you put your finger on the in the to the various rings until you find your size. And uh, we need your size. And the problem we're going to have here is is the following because I can already tell you based on the fact that people don't answer their email. We have about 100 nights right now, and, and each one of them, we'll, we'll send them a mailing, and we're going to make this announcement, and we're going to do it again on the Thursday show. Uh, about a third of them will not reply under any circumstances, maybe by a direct mail. Right. You're going to get a size 7 ring if you don't say anything, I believe. I think that's the most common size. I could be wrong. Whatever the average size is is what you're going to get. But we would like your ring size, and then we can get these rings made because they have to be sized, and they're going to, you know, you can have them sized. I think within one size, a jeweler can stretch a ring or shrink it uh, within a size. Well, no, he can't because this is uh, reared in steel. It's that's, not reared it's un, in steel. It's unsizable. <laughs> if it was reared in steel, yes, it would be a problem. So anyway, so we need your ring sizes, and so uh, be on the lookout for an email. Or send us an email at Dvorak.org, uh, John at Dvorak.org, and I'll put, or Adam at Mevio.com. No, no, we'll, it's Adam at Curry.com. Adam at Curry.com. And uh, how is that Curry doing, by the way? 42420 is what uh, Paul uh, came up with this uh, show, and uh, he's the executive producer. Scott Singer from Pewaukee, uh, Wisconsin, is the associate producer. 
uh, with uh, two hundred fifty dollars. He says this is an this is for the invaluable Adam Curry, John Dvorak, um, sucking noise. Oh, this is partic- uh, partially <laughs> to correct John's pronunciation of Waukesha, Wisconsin. Locals pronounce it Waukesha, no e as in p. <laughs> So it's pronounced Waukesha. Many Wisconsin cities and towns are named after Native American sayings, uh, or tribes, I would assume. If you can pronounce Pewaukee correctly, I'll give you a bonus donation. Remember, Mill Milwaukee is Algonquin for the good land. I'm sure you've seen Wayne's World. Wayne's World. So Pewaukee is the way I think it's pronounced, All but right. I could be. All right. Uh, Sander, and you can pronounce his last name. That's a it's beauty. It's actually Sander Auerkerk. Sonder, 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 no, just, just don't, don't mess with, just say Sonder, that's what I'm saying, Sonder, no, no, not Sonder, 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 Auerkerk, Auerkerk, <laughs> there's no R there, uh, whatever, whatever, he's in Amsterdam, good man, yes, hey Adam and Johnny, here's my first step towards knighthood, digging your show big time, enjoying Adam's uh, Adam and the crew's visit to Amsterdam crowded to the Amsterdam crowd recently. Yeah, there's the no agenda, the Dutch no agenda meeting. I want to say a special hello and love to all great Pakistani people that we met in our travels through Pakistan, especially in the it's a little small here Karakoram mountain range bordering on China for their hospitality and friendliness, which is heartwarming. Uh, they have but they have links to Al Qaeda there. How's that possible? I felt that would Not be possible. I felt that would be worth it. Not said. according to our State Department. No, irrespective of differences in religious beliefs, if any, I hope for the Pakistani people, the world does help out in the tragedy caused by the recent floods and earthquake machine. Otherwise, you did enlighten me up on topics like vaccines, government bailout, wealth transfer, and the subliminal hypnotic functioning of some TV shows. Keep it up. Greetings from Amsterdam, Sander Auerkerk, uh, Zig Management, which stands for Zion in Goede Grond. P.S. P.S. Adam, next time you're here, could we organize a donation raising discussion dinner if you're up for it? Uh, you know, I I want to do that, but uh, only if uh, John's there. I, I I really didn't feel good at the meeting without uh, without having John there. You know, John, I'm going to. Uh, it seems like some portions of Gitmo Nation are not receiving the stream, and other it's parts rough. are. It's probably because of the uh, streaming mechanism. Or parts of the net might be down. It's really weird. Uh, I don't know what to do here. Yeah, there's nothing you can do when only half, when half the people are getting it and the other half aren't. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Right, Let's what, just, well, I know what we can do. We can mention uh, Jared Forrester. Who's from uh, Regina? Rhymes with Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, Two hundred eleven dollars, and he, I guess, he was at the Dutch No Agenda meeting there, all the way from uh, Regina. That's right. I met him. He flew in specifically for the meeting. From really, uh, yeah, that's a dedicated guy. Yeah. Or any excuse to go to Holland. I think the Stuxnet has finally hit our uh, streaming server. That's uh, that's what it is. It could be. Yeah. Anyway, I want to thank all these. Uh, Producers and associates. Yes, uh, so supporting our, the show. Yes, executive producer Sir Paul Couture, associate executive producer Scott Singer, Sandra Auerkerk, and Jared Forrester. Um, all of you can put this on your resume. Um, Paul Couture's resume is now five pages long. Sir Paul, 
but of course, uh, some of the other associate executive producers, no stranger to uh, the credits. They are real credits. That's why we do them, because you actually paid for the show, so you're supporting it. So put that on your resume, in your email signature, and on your IMDb profile. Everybody else out there, go out and propagate our formula. It is very simple. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. All right. Say it loud and proud with me now. Shut up, Steve. What's the uh, name of our streaming host again? I have to log in and i got to kick the server. Uh, what is it called again? Uh, NoAgendaStream.com? No, no, no. The host. Uh, I don't know. You never told me. I'm completely unaware of the host name. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just drawing a total blank on it. Oh, that sucks. You should have it written down. Well, uh, normally I, I know it by heart, but it's like... Don't you, get a, don't you have a... What have you been using? <laughs> well, no, because I, I have a... Um, the the place where I log in to, to manage it is a different place from the, uh, from the streaming provider. Oh, I'm just totally blank, and chat room knows what it is. Oh, that's really dumb. I'm sorry. If I remember the name of our fucking streaming provider, I could log in. That just says it's like one of those, it's like forgetting your password because you never have to remember it because it's been working so well automatically. Oh, Primcast. There it is. I got it. Hold on. Primcast. What's the name of it? Primcast. P-R-I-M-C-A-S-T dot com. My guess is they're having a problem at the the site. Uh, Maybe. Let me see. Let me just sign in. Oh boy! Well, you're ta- while you're doing all that, I'm going to talk about something. Well, I, you know what? I, uh, I'm logging in now. Uh, okay. I th- there's only there's really one thing we need to talk about because just as this show was going live, uh, all of the uh, uh, what is it? Uh, predictions from the media, as if they didn't know, they just had an embargo on when they could actually uh, send it out. Uh, came true, the United States State Department has issued a warning, a terrorist alert warning to all Americans in Europe. Be vigilant. Be very, very vigilant. Because there could be a Mumbai-style attack. Now, I have uh, some thoughts about this. At the (laughs) Ritz-Carlton. I have some thoughts about this. So... The State Department issue, and this, and it came to me this morning really suddenly. The State Department issues a uh, a warning: you have to be vigilant. Uh, Gitmo Nation East, the United Kingdom, uh, subsequently raises their terror threat level. But the message is: there could be a Mumbai-style attack. Now I'm thinking to myself. Why do they say that? Why do they not say there could be an attack just like? Uh, July 7th in London, or like the Madrid train bombing. No, they don't say that. They say there could be a Mumbai-style attack. And then it hit me. Of course, it's to call out Pakistan. So again, it's a whole move to to link Pakistan to Al-Qaeda. Um, because, you know, even though, of course, it was CIA operatives and a complete black flag, false flag operation uh, that took place in Mumbai... We know how the CIA works with the ISI. 
they're they're just just another chunk in the armor there to uh, do something nasty to Pakistan. A what? chunk in the armor, or a chink in the armor. Yeah, chink, chink, chunk, whatever. Well, the, we've have been talking about this because it's not hard to figure out that the Pakistanis are a target. Uh, we have uh, there's a couple things going on. I have a, actually one clip, kind of. I didn't get what I really wanted from this clip because I couldn't find it. But uh, the head of the, uh, I guess, his armed forces, the Levin, the guy who's he gave a big talk in front of uh, the. Um, uh, on C-SPAN, and he talked about, you know, the, what we're going to do about uh, getting out of Afghanistan and, and, and without too much mention of Pakistan, but he did bring up a... Uh, I've been following the tweets of the ambassador. I, I've all of a sudden now followed the tweets of the ambassador from from um, Pakistan to the U.S., and he's bitching and moaning constantly. And who is this? And one of his, what clip are we playing? Well, I think, let me, I, unfortunately, I got the spreadsheet open. Let me see what the clips look like. Um, well, let's play the Levin clip, which is the clip where he, uh, uh, the senator is talking about how we're going to get out of, uh, or not get out of Afghanistan. General Petraeus has referred to July 2011 as a date when reductions are scheduled to begin, a word that lacks certainty. He has said that his agreement with the date quote was based on projections of conditions in July 2011, suggested that those projections might be faulty. General Petraeus' comments last month, raising the possibility that he may recommend against any reductions next July, got front page lead story coverage in the New York Times. General Conway, the outgoing Marine Commandant, has said that quote, it will be a few years before the Marines can hand over any territory to the Afghan. And Woodward quotes General Petraeus as telling Lieutenant General Doug Lute at the White House, quote, all we have to do is begin to show progress and that will be sufficient to add time to the clock and we will get what we need. Now it's true that some of these statements are in part attempts to reassure leaders in the region that the United States will not abandon Afghanistan starting next July. And it's perfectly natural and understandable for military commanders to seek maximum flexibility in carrying out orders and to voice their well-known reluctance to have firm deadlines. But these comments also insert ambiguity into what was designed by the president as an unambiguous signal to the Afghans that they must move urgently. I've tried everywhere I could to build resistance to the pressure to turn a date certain into a goal or something based on conditions rather than what it is. <laughs> okay, now, so here's the deal. This was in front of the Council on Foreign Relations, by the way. And what did you record this with, your telephone? <sighs> so that one had the same buzz on it, but I filtered the buzz, which <laughs> also was a notch filter, so you end up with that kind of <laughs> Good job, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm an expert. Yeah. So anyway, so he's the don't forget he's the head of the Armed Services Committee. He is he is on the side of actually getting out, but this but he's pointing out in this little speech he's giving that they're they're sending mixed messages because the because a lot of people don't want to get out. And one thing he left out is the fact that Gates said we'll never leave, which we I think discussed last yeah we, uh, last uh, show. Couple, no, a couple shows ago yeah 
Yeah, we're never going to. And so the situation is that seems to me, and you can go on with you finish what you were doing, but I just want to throw this up my kind of take on what's what's kind of happening. We already talked about Pakistan being somehow you know a target. Uh, I'm seeing I'm still seeing the battle between staying on behalf of the CIA to permanently establish the drug routes, which we have talked about. Or getting the hell out of there and letting the CIA, you know, either stay on their own, you know, without our people there to help them or whatever. I'm not sure, but there seems to be a, a, a divide here that is kind of they're beating around the bush about it. But he, Levin, kind of hints about it, about you know, one side wants to get out and one side wants to stay, but he doesn't really, you know, make it as clear as he, but as as he so, could. Sounds to me like it's a contract renegotiation time for a lot of these guys. And for the companies that are there and all the uh, the contractors, it seems like uh, did, uh, when when was this recorded? This was recorded this last week because, you know, they just uh, uh, passed that bill, which was done kind of in the middle of the night where they all agree to uh, continue to run the government, even though we have no budget. Yeah. So I, I, this it sounds like it's a money thing. Like everyone's like, well, you know, we should get out. Otherwise, you know, hey, dude, you're not going to pay my bills. We're going to get out. Seriously, I, it, it's, it has nothing to do with terrorism. Let's, uh, let's be fair about that. Well, anyway. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. But, but So what are you seeing? When, well, when okay, you... Here, so here's what I'm seeing. For the slaves out there, first of all, bin, another Bin Laden tape. Uh, no link, no recording, no nothing. Oh my my! I thought it was two tapes. I thought it was had, three. It was, no, it was three. Three, it was three okay. tapes. So the, now we have the. Uh, it's now available on Audible.com. But seriously, you cannot. Every single um, uh, every single report about it does not actually contain a link to where this was found or any uh, any recording. You never hear. You know, you watch television. I'm like, okay, you know, why don't you just play me a little clip? They play a clip of everything else, no matter what language it is. No, no, we can we can't receive this. Apparently, uh, New York Times, the uh, true ministry of truth. Uh, writes Bin Laden resurfaces in recordings, and he says, quote, We are in need of a big change in the method of relief work because the number of victims is great due to climate change in modern times. So clearly he's on Gore's payroll. I, I'm very skeptical about uh, Bin Laden discussing Duh. climate change. Duh. <laughs> anyway, here's the uh, here's the alert, and they actually take this to a whole new level, and now they're bringing Afghanistan back in. So maybe we can connect the uh, uh, all these House resolutions, which is basically, yeah, we can we continue, yeah, we're going to continue. We got no budgets, okay, we continue. After the election, we'll take care of this. Don't worry, we do the, the money will be okay. We're good for it. We the United States. Anthony Weiner, by the way, presiding over these. Uh, it was his turn at the at the gavel. Uh, but now, of course, we're going to link these Mumbai-style attacks to uh, the Afghanistan. What do you know about this heightened concern about possible terrorist threats? Where is this coming from? Well, it's not clear exactly where it's coming from, but what we do know is that a young uh, Afghan-German named Ahmed Siddiqui, who attended this mosque here... An Afghan-German. ...behind me, that's now been closed by German federal authorities, is in U.S. captivity in Kabul. He was captured in the summer, and he's been telling uh, his U.S. captors 
that uh, about the possibility of a Mumbai-style attack in various European cities. So it's possibly this could be the linkage. We've talked to counter-terrorism sources here in this city. Love how they do this. We've talked, you know, just for people who listen to this show, this is, this is the stuff that we need to point out. When a reporter on CNN says, we talked to security officials anti-terrorism officials but they don't mention them by name it's because it's bullshit it's it's they they got issued talking points a press release whatever you never ever hear we spoke to this guy his name is his rank is and this is what he's responsible for no no no, because we're in afghanistan and we've got our sources over there this is this is how bullshit works well hold on a second let me take it a little further in in an explanatory manner uh first of all uh, a journalist uh, covering stuff, something like this, would normally hide the source if it was like some sort of uh, you know thing that would get the person in trouble. But the Thank fact you. of the matter is, how would this get anybody in trouble if you cited them, uh, unless it was total bullshit? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We we digress. Counterterrorism sources here in this city, and they say that as far as they know, Siddiqui is telling his American captors what they say is new information every day. Every day he's providing new information. They think it could be because he wants to try and be released uh, into German custody, that he wants to come back home. But uh, from what they understand, they say, as far as they know, there is no imminent threat here in Germany at this particular time. How concerned should people be about this information, about possible threats coming out, and and what should they be doing? Okay, here's the message. Be afraid, you slaves! Well, we talked to Ahmed Siddiqui's uh, family today, and to his sister in particular, and they say the only information they're learning about him is through the media, and that they're shocked about it. But what she did say was that uh, that uh, when they talked to him in the summer, shortly before he was captured in the early summer, he said he was looking forward to coming home, that he was coming home soon. Um, now, authorities may well be concerned about some of the other men that traveled from this mosque uh, to uh, uh, to Pakistan. To- so anyway, so so if you look at the news, now we also have in Germany, uh, in the Netherlands, in the United Kingdom, they're all talking about homegrown terrorism. This is a coordinated effort to keep you, the slave, afraid. Nothing has to happen. They don't have to do a single thing except all of this mumbo mumbai jumbo. And and bring up, conjure up images of armed gunmen shooting up the Ritz uh, in a Mumbai-style attack. Right, and don't forget the Mumbai-style attack includes going uh, room to room saying, Are you an American? Yeah, yeah that's right. Don't good point. That. Yeah, good point. Very good point. I'd forgotten about that one. So it's, it's just like, wow, man. I, I just can't believe. And they don't have to actually do anything. They just have to say it. Uh, you know, it's not actually a travel advisory. It's just a stern warning. And uh, Gitmo Nation East immediately warned their British uh, subjects about traveling to France and Germany. And I think that's th- th- there's been a problem with, with those three for a, a number of years. Well, you know, one of the things going on, which is a bit, maybe a maybe a parallel thing. I'm not sure it has anything to do with. Uh, with this overall scheme just to scare people. 
there, but I think it relates to the trains, uh, good planes, bad. Uh, really? Which is the fact is there's all this anti-travel, do not go anywhere hmm. uh, message that underlies all this. Uh, because I don't, I think that they that like the messaging is not complete enough on a worldwide basis that, you know, because people will go to Europe and they'll come back, you know, like you go to Holland and it's like a different, whole different world. The news is different. The stories are different. The messaging right. is different. So it's like, please don't go there and don't get educated. Yeah, don't learn anything. Stay home. Yeah, it's funny because Mickey said that. She said, you know, it sounds like they just want to keep the American slaves in Gitmo. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's actually that's a that's a pretty decent uh, theory there. Don't learn and anything. Planes bad, of course, makes it impossible no, unless you just take a boat. Trains good, planes bad. Might as well play the jingle while we're at it, right? Yeah, it's a beauty. Um, wow. Yeah, no, the, the, I think there's there's definitely something to be said for that, but it, it's all mind control, regardless. It's t- it's just. Total mind control that's going on, or psyops, I guess is what they'd call it. Uh, okay. Uh, so I want to talk, get off of just a little bit. Okay. And talk about something that's going. Is this showing up on Netflix as a featured movie? And it's, it's, it's uh, I watched it again recently and I'm just shaking my head. I don't, I've seen this movie two or three times. I, but ever since, we, for the, I haven't seen it for the last maybe decade. And I watched it and it is incredible. Oh, is, is, is this the movie you made me watch? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was, that was pretty rough, man. What is it? Uh, uh, Zardos. Zardos with the Sean Connery. Yeah. Uh, Sean Connery with a sock in his crotch. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, the first half hour of that movie, I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is such big cheese ball. But it's, it is, but it is kind of the elites versus the slaves. That's kind of the whole, the whole story there. Yeah. And, and of course, the, uh, it's got a bloodbath in it, it's got, which I forgot all about. It's a, it's a good I, one. A bloodbath. It's got psychedelic. It's, it, I'm absolutely convinced. I don't. I don't remember that era for good obvious reasons. But the uh, I think on LSD the movie would be much more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's obviously an LSD movie. It's got a lot of hot naked chicks. A lot of tits. Yeah, lots of big Tons. bush. Big Tons. bush. Tons. The whole movie. It was, yeah, it's nothing but... And, and not, it, not fake ones. They're real ones. It was the end of the Depression. Uh, it came out in 1979, and it was... It, this is before Reagan got in office, and this was the Carter years, and this is when the hostage crisis was going on, and this is when everyone was stoned on either some psychedelic or cocaine was beginning to be popular. It was, a, it was the end of an era movie. Uh, of those crazy movies from the 1970s, there was a lot of them. May have begun with Easy Rider and ended with Zardos. <laughs> Whatever the case, uh, it is a. It's featured on Netflix. You it's can a get timeless it on, classic, I tell you. It's a, it's a total <laughs> piece of crap that is compelling, but it's it's just amazing. Anyway, yeah, and it's that's a, the it's, movie. That's our movie pick for the for yeah, our movie. Right. Uh, no, that would uh, be John C. Dvorak's movie pick. I, however, remain with the zombies. <laughs> I, uh, I Actually, speaking of such, I forgot uh, two things under the PR heading for today. Uh, Nick says we need a no agenda drink, and he proposes uh, the two shots to the head. You can ask for it in your local pub. Uh, here's how you make it. Pour a beer with a good head like a Guinness. Use a large spoon to remove the head from the beer. Place it in a glass. 
Add two shots of World Power Vodka. Consume using left hand only. I think that's kind of nice, the uh, N.A. suicide drink. And then uh, Section 8 from Gitmo Nation Middle Earth, a.k.a. New Zealand, says, I play an online game called Zombie Slayer. I've changed my name to noagendashow.com and founded Team No Agenda Militia. Part of the game involves punching other players. <laughs> so I've been doing my bit by hitting people in the mouth on a daily basis. Admittedly, a modest effort as far as PR goes, but hopefully an idea that can spread to other games. And uh, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, the uh, Our Ministry of Truth uh, at WhiteHouse.gov has a new feature, John. A brand new feature. It's a uh, it's a new uh, a new segment. You know they're, they they are their own little news network. There they've got the West House the the, the West Wing Week, and of course we've got the uh, President's uh, YouTube uh, speech of the week. And now we have uh, what's that the, the the new guy who came in the uh, Goolsby? Yeah, John uh, John Gruden. No Goolsby. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Goolsby. Goolsby, yeah, he came in as the uh, he's, he replaced uh, Christy Romer, who uh, who lied to us about uh, no more than eight uh, uh, percent unemployment. Right, the woman you hate uh, with a passion. So Goolsby also has no uh, no real experience in running an actual company. However, he is now drawing on the White House whiteboard. Yes, with big red circles which are evil for what the Republicans are doing, and little blue circles which are good for what Obama is doing. Notice, by the way, it's Obama is going to, well, you'll hear it in the clip. Obama is good, Republicans bad. He's not saying Democrats, Republicans. Obama wants to do good for you, Republicans want to do bad for you. Here he is at the whiteboard, and of course you can see the actual video at noagendashow.com in the show notes. You may have been following, we've got a big back and forth going about the tax cuts. Yeah, you may have been following. <laughs> what I wanted to do today is just break it down real simple. So you- for all you stupid slaves, stupid idiot slaves, we're going to put it on the whiteboard because you're too dumb to understand it. You can understand exactly what the debate is about. President George Bush passed tax cuts that will expire at the end of this year. And what I've done here is we got a ruler and measured out the size of the tax cut is how big the circle is by your income, which is listed at the top from low incomes up to people who make more than a million dollars a year. Isn't this amazing? Just do you just hear what he's saying? Do you just hear how he's talking to you, John? Yeah. Like a stu- I'm an idiot. Stupid, stupid idiot. Slave. Obama would preserve couple thousand dollars a year tax cuts for virtually all Americans and even for people who make a lot they get to keep the tax cut on the first two hundred fifty thousand dollars of their income under the Republican plan however people making more than a million dollars a year they're gonna be getting a tax cut of more than one hundred thousand dollars a million dollars a year one hundred thousand the, the, uh, when you don't watch it and you listen to it and you how he's really punctuating this, because, of course, we're all kindergartners and we have to understand how crazy this is. If you have a million dollars, you get a $100,000 tax cut. That's expensive. Giving these big red eggs to the very high-income people would cost $700 billion. <laughs> Giving these big, big red eggs... that we would have to borrow to give it if you ask objective economists and analysts around who by the way we will not mention because there are none the country about what is effective 
you will find that everyone agrees that these everyone giant agrees tanks, the science, the science is, in. is in. Everybody agrees. Everybody knows it. Science. science for very high-income people are the least effective thing that we can do to get the economy growing. And so what's happening in Congress is that the people that want this are saying nobody here can get any of these tax cuts unless we agree to give this big red goose egg to the... (laughs) Tom and Dick want to split up goose eggs. This one is the big red bad goose egg. You don't want to eat that one. People making more than a million dollars a year. It doesn't make any sense. It costs too much money. And then we know it doesn't work. That's right. The science is in. How do we know it doesn't work or works or whatever? Because everyone agrees. Oh, everyone? Does it, Every, wait a minute, Adam. Can you? Is it everyone who agrees? Every, Every single ev- person? Everyone agrees. Oh, okay. Well, if everyone agrees, what can I say? All right. Let me, t- let me just show you how evil these people are. And I'm going to call out the president right now. Because I have to do this because this was so blatant, so easy, and I just to, to just a couple of Google searches. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable, unfrickin' believable. So this is the the of course it's only uh, 30 seconds. This clip, uh, President Obama in his weekly YouTube clip is talking about creating 1,000 jobs at this uh, amazing solar power company. Amazing in California, I'll have you know, that will power 140,000 homes. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, this is, well, let's just listen to him uh, call it out. So this is his, his, this is his statement to the nation, to the world. And he chooses to highlight this company. For example, I want to share with you one new development made possible by the clean energy incentives that we've launched. This month in Mojave Desert, a company called Bright Source plans to break ground on a revolutionary new type of solar power plant. It's going to put about a thousand people to work building a state-of-the-art facility. And when it's complete, it will turn sunlight into the energy that will power up to 140,000 homes, the largest such plant in the world. Okay. So it's kind of like him calling out this little shop, right? You're like, wow, okay. Well, that's cool. You know, this is something Sounds good. Sounds good. I Sounds like good. it. So uh, you should go look at Bright Source Energy. And I'm hunting around looking at Bright Source Energy, and the first thing I see is their uh, investors. And they have an interesting bunch of uh, investors, all people who are completely tied into the White House. Uh, we know as uh, from full disclosure records that uh, J.P. Morgan handles some of the president's money. Um, you know, he, he doesn't actually call the shots. Uh, so who's invested in this company? Well, uh, Morgan Stanley is invested in this company. BP is invested in this company. It's right on their website. Google invested in this company. But here's the kicker, John. According to VentureBeat, Bright Source Energy quietly moves toward IPO in early 2011. So the way I'm seeing this is this company, which wasn't supposed to go public for three years, all of a sudden... It raises $330 million, some, by the way, from Vantage Point Venture Partners, um, who just invested in the last two weeks, two weeks, I think they put in $100 million, 
There's uh, arguably some of the president's money in there. BP's money is in there. And we know how the president was or maybe still is invested through um, Vantage. Uh, not Vantage. Uh, Morgan Stanley. Well, Mor- nah, Morgan Stanley, but there's another one. Well, there's a sh- uh, DBL investors. I've never heard of them. But now all of a sudden, they're going to go public. And there's something called a quiet period. Right, which I'm sure we're not in the quiet period yet, but for the for the president to offhandedly mention this company that, without a doubt, people who funded his campaign are invested in and is now all of a sudden speeding up their IPO is an absolute atrocity. It is. That's it, that's ridiculous. There's no reason for him to be plugging these guys. The what S- have they done? The SEC should uh, block this IPO because the president. It, he just made it attractive all of a sudden. And they've got, you know, like, like guaranteed government money. I hate this. That really pisses me off. That is just enriching, just enriching yourself blatantly in front of the public. And the president is in on the game, and he's smiling. Links in the show notes at noagendashow.com. So what's so special about these guys? Nothing. They got a bunch it's of a mirrors. mirrors. It's some, just a solar complex using mirrors to focus the power of the sun on solar receivers. Yeah, they power. got some mirrors out there in the desert. So what? This is this is old technology. Hey, John, um, just correct me if I'm wrong. Um, did Hillary Clinton not say uh, in her campaign? And I, I think not just Hillary Clinton, but a number of people have said uh, Blackwater would no longer receive government money. Uh, I thought Blackwater was cut off, yeah. Yeah, well, turns out uh, they just received a nice chunk. Well, no, no, Blackwater doesn't exist anymore. No, it's Z. Yeah, well, they're different. Well, no, it's not Z either. It is uh, a small subsidiary. <laughs> International Development Solutions. I received a, a nice little chunk of a $10 billion contract from the... Uh, from the State Department. Thanks, Hill. Good job. <laughs> Liars. So, you know, that if you, if you dig deep enough, on, there's a couple other partners that are mentioned deeper into the site on this bright energy, whatever it is, this bright source. Uh, which, you know, yeah, bright, bright, bright source energy, yeah. Yeah, which includes PG&E and Bechtel, of course. But then we have the government, apparently. Oh, yeah. yeah. Received a conditional commitment for $1.3 billion in loan guarantees from the Department of Energy. And yeah. Siemens, our old buddies. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're going to go public. Oh, let's accelerate that. Everyone get in. Come on. Everybody get in. Google in. Chevron. Everyone's in. This is, this is like the, this is their Christmas present. That's what this is. Hey, let's just all go give ourselves a nice big bonus. And the, and yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Eric Schmidt, you're, you're, you advise uh, Barack. Hey, call him over there. Yeah, tell him to put that in his weekly thing. It's good. It's good. That'll really make the investors happy. It's just unbelievable. You know, this is basically an a Israeli company. That's the joke of it. Oh, yeah. There's lots of Israeli guys in there. On the board, in the management. Uh-huh. I know. In there fact, was... the entire a team is all Israeli. <laughs> yeah. Did you see uh, Catherine Heigl? Sketchy. Did you see Catherine Heigl on Letterman? No, I didn't. Oh, well, first of all, she's awesome. 
Um, and she's uh, she's a smoker, but she stopped smoking. And she's uh, and I'm not quite sure how to interpret this, but uh, she uh, she winds up pulling out her e-cigarette and actually Letterman takes a hit off of it, which is kind of funny. But uh, listen to what she has to say about uh, one of our favorite products. Oh, it's yeah. really, it's disgusting. Well, uh, and, and now when you started, it was just like one or two a day, or did you go, well... Yes, that's exactly how it starts. You start once a week, maybe with a cocktail with friends at a bar or right. whatever, and then you buy your first pack during a really stressful breakup. And uh, and then it's, <laughs> it's downhill from there. So I've tried everything. I did the patch, I did the gum, I did the Shantex twice, and went bananas. No, 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 the Shantex is a prescription drug, is that what it is, and it does really help. I have to say, it did really help. I just woke up one day and forgot I ever wanted to have a cigarette, mm-hmm. which is awesome. That's why you had to try it twice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm not quite sure what the message is there, other than she went out of her mind on Shantix, which is... Yeah, she says she went say. bananas. Bananas, yeah. But then she but she did it twice, which I found That's peculiar. Odd. Yeah, very odd. Uh, I'm not quite sure what happened there. And then she brings out the e-cigarette, which is kind of funny. But what... Um this is crazy. But now I do this. Now I do the uh, the electronic cigarette. I've, ne- you know, I've never heard of this, never seen this, don't know what that is. It's got a bejeweled bottom. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. What was... So she's actually blowing out the vapor now. And uh, let him... In, like he's never seen this, right? Never ever. That, that I'm freaking y'all oh, no, out wait a right minute. now. Am I going to get arrested by the PC what, police? Wait a minute. What, what, what was that? <laughs> it's water. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You still there? That was interesting. Yeah. In the space. Yeah. And, and, and But there's nicotine in there? There is. It's a battery. Mm-hmm. Um, this part is a battery that screws into an outlet. And then this is the filter. And this has liquid nicotine in it so that um, it heats it up. And you feel, you, know, you feel like you're smoking. You get the habit of this. Right. You blow out water vapor so you're not harming anyone around you. And you're not harming yourself. Now, will, it, will it make you dizzy when you take a hit of the nicotine? Here, try it. Because I haven't, I haven't, had, I haven't had a... <laughs> I thought at first it was a dog whistle. <laughs> I just take a regular. No, I'm not going to take a big one. Okay. <laughs> That's what she said. By the way, that was, that was the best line, and he just walked right over it. <laughs> that was a great line. Uh, so that's kind of weird. So it's Shantix. And uh, you know, and that didn't work. And she tried it twice. And then she's promoting the e-cigarette. It's weird, which of course is under huge scrutiny right now, and uh, is. Uh, uh, the FDA is in on this, saying, "Ooh, you can't have that. That's evil. You cannot smoke that." Yeah, well, there's something else here that concerns me. Uh, essentially, the the amount of grief I have received from you for watching Letterman and and deriving clips from the show. Ah, well, let me just point but out. Yeah, that- well, I'm going to explain what happened here. But yet, we get this you watching Letterman in a show I didn't even see. And I believe you must have some crush on this woman, and you have been stalking her. Okay. She looks like Mickey, by the way. Yes. Uh, in fact, Mickey is often uh, confused for her in uh, in public. Uh, I and did not probably ch- should get a few dinner reservations using <laughs> Catherine Heigl as the name. I just told her. I said, if when someone says, "Hey, Catherine," just say, "Yeah," <laughs> just say, "Yeah." Uh, I don't watch Letterman. Uh, this clip was sent to me by one of our producers. Well, okay. Yeah. That's what. That, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Out of the blue, they did. They did this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know. You just. All right. Well. Anyway. So what? So. So what have you concluded? Well, I I, I think 
Shantix bad, e-cigarette good. Uh, maybe. And uh, I'm not quite sure who's in the running to actually come up with uh, the legal version of the e-cigarette, which makes total sense. I mean, you, you to, and I've, I've tried it before. It doesn't quite give you the, the, the same experience, but uh, it's okay. But, you know, I just think the companies that are making Shantix, Shantix bad, e-cigarette's good. And they're going to get FDA approval, and that's why the FDA is involved because you you know you can't just be bringing this stuff in from China. And, you know you know how it works with the FDA. You got to you know sign you got to sign a, a million dollar check. We know this from a previous uh, testimony we've had on this show. At least a million dollar check for them to do the clinical trials, et cetera, et cetera. That can only be a big company. So I think uh, Shantix out, e-cigarette in. That is the prediction. All right, write that one down on the in the, in the, in the big prediction book. Noagendapredictions.com. Whoever is running that, you got to step it up. Yeah, you got to step up. Yeah, suck it. We make the least two predictions a show. You're, uh, you're... So you hear about what happened in California. Uh, are you talking about the fifteen Chinooks that flew by, or uh... oh, that's your that no, that's that's not California. That's your house. <laughs> that's just my my pad. <laughs> yeah. No, what happened in California? They've decriminalized pot. What? This is done. Done deal. Schwarzenegger he wrote a, he wrote up a document saying, "Hey, this is bullcrap. We're spending too much money enforcing these laws. Now it's going to be. It's not even a misdemeanor if you get caught." Really? Yeah. Happened about two days ago. No, do we have any documentation on this? How this come is we, what's so funny. Yeah, it's not all over the news. Acre marijuana, you'll find two or three stories. This has not been picked up by the national media. It's like been suppressed. This is really weird. And the fact that you don't know about it in L.A., where you where the local news you'd think would be doing nothing but chatting about it, but no, no. nothing. No. <laughs> quiet, no. quiet, quiet. Don't, say don't, th- don't let anyone know. Wow. No, I didn't know that. So it, is this now a... a a, uh, if you're roaming around and be a nuisance smoking dope on the street, the cops can give you a ticket. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but write if, you if, up like it was a parking ticket and say here, and you have to pay like twenty five to a hundred dollars fine. But if you, it, but if you actually, tax. but if you smoke a uh, a cigarette, then they tase you. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're smoking a cigarette, gonna tase you, slave. This is no good. Shut up. Yeah, this is the most underreported news story of the week. It just That's astonishes amazing. me. Do you have a link for me so I can put it in the show notes? Just uh, well, just type in Schwarzenegger marijuana and you'll find it. If you go to Google News, and there's a, like you know, there's a number of links, but they're just little bitty stories here and there. Nobody paid much attention to it, and I find the whole thing interesting that nobody paid any attention to it because there's a big battle going on. And by the way, we'll have a special report on Thursday. On the uh, there's a book that came out that the book uh, club should uh, make note of called Nullification: uh, How to uh, Avoid Tyranny in the 21st Century Federal Tyranny. Oh, really? Uh, so, th- what meeting did I not get uh, invited to? To what? Uh, that we have a special report on. No, Thursday. I have a special report. Oh, please! Here It'll it is. Come right after my education. No, the education one I'm still working on. I've got the I've got the link right here. Senate Committee on Public Safety. Senator Mark Leno, he must be related to Jay. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. An infraction is a crime. Oh, so blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The purpose of this bill is to specify, to specifically define possession of not more than one ounce, which is quite a quite a bit, 
quite a bit in today's world <laughs> of marijuana as an infraction, an offense that under existing law is only punishable by a fine of up to $100 and not jail time. Wow. Well, you know why, you know, you know why we don't know about this because the presidential slut squad distraction team has been all over the news. And this someone sent me this clip from Bones. You ever watch Bones? No, I don't watch Bones. I make a point of not watching it. Uh, There's only so much I can watch. Neither do I. But they did have a very interesting little discussion in Bones. Oh, hey. uh, Hi. Uh, It's nice to meet you. um, I'm uh, Hodgins. Um, Dr. Hodgins. Uh, I am a big fan. I just read the piece where you stuck it to CENCOM in 2009. Thanks. Hey, maybe while you're here, you can find out why every time there's a big story, and I mean like an earthquake or government corruption... There's always some celebrity story that takes focus. You know, Hodges. the BP oil spill. Lindsay Lohan goes to jail, and the country takes their eye off the ball. Hodgins. Media is used to distract us all the time. You taking them seriously? Michael Jackson's funeral is on 24 hours a day, and nobody finds out about the coup in Honduras. How fishy to me. I love this woman. <laughs> we were talking about wingless aphids, Dr. Hodgins. Interesting, right? Yeah, that's, I like it. That's totally what it, we talk about. Yeah, that's exactly it. Only we do it incessantly. They do it once a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we don't care about Honduras either. <laughs> we don't care about Honduras. What we do care about is the fact that uh, there is a a group of people. Uh, this group of people is probably approaching half a million, and I believe that twice a week we are actually uh, enlightening them and brightening up their lives. Although sometimes you'd think you just want to get depressed by the stories that we talk about. For the feedback I get, and I think the reason why people want to support this show, is because when you understand it, then it's just not that bad. You don't have to get that angry. Uh, you don't feel frustrated because your brain is an amazing, uh, amazing device. You know, it's spinning around trying to figure out what is going on. Uh, I've got... Yeah, indeed, Lindsay Lohan with a scram bracelet, and then we got terrorists in Europe and homegrown terrorism and Mumbai-style attacks. And uh, but when you kind of know it, then it, it makes you feel better. Do, do you not have this, John? I feel terrible. <laughs> okay, it doesn't work for everybody, <laughs> but uh, it does work for a number of you. And uh, we'd like to thank some people who uh, supported this show uh, for uh, this episode and for the past week. Uh, not quite as uh, as as much as we'd like to see. In fact, it's uh, we're we're down about half from last week. I think, aren't we? Yeah, that's typical when we have a good week. This is unfortunate. We haven't been able to figure out how to correct this. Although, perhaps the douchebag thing, which is, seems to have disappeared completely, may have something to do with it. But let's thank a few people who did help us this week. John Martinez out of Gilroy, California, who's also his birthday. We'll give him a call out in a second. His kids love hearing the in the morning jingle coming from his iPhone. Which in the morning. Uh, which is uh, apparently what uh, Adam has programmed when he does his call. Uh, some I don't even understand how it works. Um, no, the it, it didn't work today. The bat signal. The bat well, signal's wonder- down. It's down. It's broken. Yeah, well, this is a weird. Daniel uh, Hutner in Murphy's, California, uh, old gold mining area, if I'm not mistaken. Double nickels on the dime. Uh, Nick Schub. From North Hollywood in uh, Adam's neck of the woods, uh, double nickels on the dime, 5510, uh, a new listener or a new contributor, actually, Amanda Hafner, or Hafner, probably Hafner 
in Manchester, Missouri, or Missouri, depending on what part of the state you're from. 5510, John and Adam, yesterday morning, I was expressing a valid concern about a police officer, and my boyfriend said, honey, you're turning into Adam Curry. Oh, boy. I think that means my free trial period is up. Here's some money. I'm signing up for a subscription. <laughs> his free, tri- <laughs> free trial with his wife or his free trial no, with his free trial. She Her free trial. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, my so, God. Uh, so Amanda's free trial is up, <laughs> so she's now on board. Robert Hall, another uh, first-time donor. Phoenix, Arizona, double, uh, 5550, or 5151, which is the insane thing. Uh, keep up the good work in the morning, guys. Uh an all-American cubicle dweller in exile in Arizona. And then finally, uh, Michael Schultz, Palm Beach, Florida, kind of an expensive area, uh, $50. Hello, guys. I just registered the domain name noagendajob.com and will start a site where your listeners can find a CIO full-time, part-time, or just a project manager for IT. As Adam says, we have a few sysadmins that listen, and now we can offer IT staff to fans looking for IT support, 3% of net revenue will be donated to 3%? the show. 3%? Kind of low. 3%? The, the website is not what, up What yet. is that, like tarp money? What's 3%? It's not up, it's not up yet. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can go to noagendajob at How email. does he figure 3%? I don't know. Just, he's, probably, he's probably an agent. He's from Palm Beach. Come on. These guys have all he, the money. He's one of those guys with the big red goose egg. He's got the uh, he's got the big red Ferrari. Well, we we appreciate anything, obviously, but three yeah. percent. No, we appreciate anything, and we, if he's making millions. That'll be great. Yeah, well, three uh, percent of millions. Everybody is who donated the fifth forty-two dollars. We only have. Uh, f- uh, we should t- discuss this because next Sunday we're gonna have a special ten 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 celebration. Yeah, it's 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 the huge day. It is the day ten ten ten. I think all the coins are out. All the ten 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 forty-two no agenda. Uh, uh, coins. coins at noagendafans.com. Yeah, yeah, no noagendafans.com. I think those are all gone. Uh, I'm not sure about the the no agenda uh uh what is it? The no agenda pins? <sighs> no, I, I, yeah, the pins I've yeah. been following. We want to thank everybody who took out a, a $33.33 uh, boarding pass, a $33.33 boarding pass subscription, $42 donation, which is what 101010 is binary as Adam has pointed out. And uh, we have that. I would like to. We're going to put up a special list of everybody who donated the forty-two dollars on the website for the um, oh, good celebration on the celebration day, and uh, which will be on uh, next Sunday. And it's a the double, triple lucky day. It only happens. It's not going to happen again until thirty ten. Well, actually, twenty one ten. I guess supposedly. Well, we'll also get eleven, eleven, eleven. And we got 11, 11 coming up. Don't give them any hints. They, they may, but I don't know if eleven eleven has quite the impact. No, 10, no, no. 10, 10, 10, 10 which is uh, binary for 42, which according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is uh, the answer to all things in the universe. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it is. And 42 is just one of those magical numbers. And Eric sent me a note saying, don't send your ring sizes to me. Send them to him because he's coordinating the mailing to the Knights, which is Eric, A-R-I-C, at Eric Mackey, A-R-I-C, Mackey, M-A-C-K-E-Y, dot com, all one word. Uh, Could it be any more? How about rings at noagenda.com? I'm just saying. Yeah, we should have something yeah, like that. Right. We'll, we'll, we're just going to take a week or two to get, to get half of the ring sizes. And the other people, what? You never said anything. Yeah. So, um, 
Anyway, you can help us out by going to noagendashow.com and clicking on the donation link or dvorak.org slash na or curry. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, channeldvorak.com slash na. Yeah, and um, we really do need the support. It's the only thing that keeps this show going. We don't take any other. We could easily, easily have been making a million dollars each if we took commercial money because of the demographics of the show. Which the demographics just, are pretty astonishing. Outstanding. I also want to thank all the $5 a month subscribers. Yeah. It's a uh, positive thing. And then uh, James from NoAgendaWall.com, a uh, little make-do here. He says, my slaves donated $130 to No Agenda last week, but John incorrectly credited the payment. He said Island 7. Hey, it was on the spreadsheet. I saw it that way, too. Uh, anyway, we could get that corrected. And a shout-out to NoAgendaWall.com. I keep getting more orders. I would need to update the tally. We'll be sending another donation soon. Keep up the great work. And we appreciate that, James, of course. And then uh, this was an interesting note I received. Uh, and I'm John. I have an amazing follow-up on my request for karma many, many weeks ago. If you recall, I asked for some crazy karma for my gorgeous girlfriend, Sarah Stead, who uh, was unfortunately unemployed for many months this summer. As luck would have it, exactly nine weeks to the day after donating to the Karma Club, she got a job offer to be a graphic designer for a chain of luxury hotels headquartered in the area. She started on Thursday, exactly nine weeks after you had read my note aloud on the air. Additionally, she had received three requests on that day to interview with other companies. The job offer she got that day was the one she'd been hoping for. Given I'm an avid listener of No Agenda, I had my eye out for anything related to the number three or derivatives thereof. About after week six, I started to lose hope that the karma was working, but much to my surprise, it kicked in at the last possible moment. September was the last month she was able to survive on her savings before being in serious financial trouble, nay, a fiasco, she says. So, there you go. You've got karma. It's a beautiful thing. The karma actually does uh, apparently work. It does in many instances. We, we, we still need to document this better. We don't really understand it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hey, I like it. Yeah, me too. I'm, we're not complaining. It's your birthday, birthday. On no agenda. Let me see. We've got uh, John Martinez. Uh, yes. So John is the one who uh, normally uh, tickles his kids pink with the in the morning sound coming out of the Pocket No Agenda iPhone app, although today apparently the bat signal seems to be broken. He's celebrating his birthday. John, happy birthday. And then uh, Matt Shower says, I know it's partially my fault my birthday mentions didn't get said on the last show. I donated $55 in the morning. Sorry, about an hour before the show, so I understand you missed it. Then John read my name on Thursday's show but failed to read the birthday mentions that I had in the email. So, uh... Please wish a happy belated birthday to Chris Curtis Begeman and Matt Rollinson, both September birthdays from your buddy Matt Shower and from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. <coughs> Dvorak.org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, or just go to noagendashow.com and uh, click on the donation button. John, it's happening again. Indeed. Bad news, bad news, bad news. Or could it be good news? Come on, Snooky. Come on. Kathy and John Cooper have been trying to solve a gruesome mystery for nearly a year. It startles you every time. When you see him, you're like, there's another one. Kathy says it was just Monday when they found yet another dead cow in their pasture. They believe someone is poisoning them, then mutilating them. It's almost like a surgically removed... Um, 
cut. It's just frustration, you know. It's like you're, uh, it's like somebody's robbed you. <laughs> Monday's cow was the 20th the Coopers have lost. Each time this happens, they call the sheriff's office. But investigators tell me they're just as confused. No one can determine who is doing this or why. They are very. Uh, like us, they don't, they scratch your head and, and can't make a whole lot of sense out of it. So- it's the old mutilated cows. Whenever the aliens are in town, cows get mutilated, John. Well, you know, one thing we kind of missed out on talking about mutilation is the ninth foot found in Vancouver. <laughs> I don't have a jingle for foots. The, yeah, apparently at the end of August, we kind of missed this, like, uh, about the ninth foot. And there's another one I think just found uh, a couple weeks ago. No, August is the end of August. The last human foot. So the one thing that uh, is now speeding around the interwebs is this uh, video, which I guess we're just calling the no pressure video. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure most of the people who uh, listen to the show have seen this. It doesn't really make sense uh, to play the audio because yeah, it, Dvorak slash blog has it. Yeah, and noagendatv.com, of course, will have it. But essentially, it's a, it's a highly produced video, three different scenarios. One is this class, a school. Uh, one is the workplace. It's a British, by the way. And one is the soccer field. And in all cases, uh, it's uh, 1010. It's uh, 1010global.org is the website. Uh, and the idea is to reduce uh, everyone's on board, by the way, according to this. Everybody agrees everyone's on board. We, and it's governments, it's companies, it's people. We have to, and Microsoft is a is a sponsor, by the way. Yeah, everyone's on board, and it's uh, how do you see Microsoft's a sponsor? They're they're a sponsor. I I ran into the list of everybody that coughed up money, and Microsoft's one of the big ones. See, I've been looking for that. Well, let, let me let me get to the point. Um, and so th- what happens in this video is the people who don't agree with with climate change, essentially because the science is in, uh, they explode. And like no, no, they, no, they don't explode. They are exploded. They are exploded. I'm sorry. Yes. The teacher presses a button and then... And it's gory and messy. And it's, it really just blows everything up. So um, the website is 1010... Is that what it is? 1010global.org. And uh, it's a kind of a weird site. And it looks like the whole world is uh, is into this. and I'm And I'm trying to figure out... So... I did a who is, which is kind of like the first thing I do, and it comes up as Franny Armstrong from SpannerFilms.net. Have you ever heard of Franny Armstrong? No. Well, she's quite famous. Uh, she makes. Uh, she is a. Uh, she runs Spanner Films, and you can find that at SpannerFilms.net. And she has essentially created a number of movies. I think it started with The Age of Stupid. McLeibel and Drowned Out, three movies, and she claims that uh, this has been financed by uh, individuals sending little bits and pieces of money. And I and I just have a hard time believing it. She has a Wikipedia entry, uh, British documentary film director working for her own company, Spanner Films, former drummer with the indie pop group The Band of Holy Joy. Huh. Primarily known for three films, The Age of Stupid and about climate change, climate change, McLeibel about the infamous McDonald's court case and drowned out following the fight against the 
Narmada Dam project. So this is a complete science is in outfit. Um, I, I, I just, I just where did you find the Microsoft thing? It's in the uh, entry at Wikipedia. Where is it? I don't see it in Wikipedia. It's, uh, go to Wikipedia yeah. and go to uh, 10, uh, colon 10, and it says companies include the Royal Mail, Microsoft, Tottenham Hospital, and they have links. They have These are citations with the footnotes. Tottenham Hotspur Football yeah, Tottenham Hotspur, yeah, yeah. The yeah. British Medical Journal, FTSE 100, listed insurance company, so, Aviva. So she's out there shilling as if she's independent and that this was financed by... Just normal folks and people who are all for climate uh, change and carbon emissions reduction. But meanwhile, she's actually on the payroll of some of the biggest corporations in the world. Well, they're donors. How come we don't get donors like that? Because we're not on the climate change bandwagon. If we were, we probably would. (laughs) So, um... Just found that really interesting that this really high grade film, which by the way they pulled down from their site with an apology. Yeah, so, like oh well, you live and learn. They said, and to me, it's like this is perfect. What better way to get publicity for your uh, for your ten ten campaign? I think they did a great job. This is very good viral marketing. Yeah, actually, they probably got more publicity than if they'd actually run it. Although I think it's all negative. I think, it, you know, the kind of uh, comments you get when you put it on your blog, it's amazing. Except for the one or two guys. Well, you have to make a point to get anyone to pay attention to climate change. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because as you know... The science is in! Tesla Cars has recalled uh, 400 of its battery cars. <laughs> How many has it shipped? 400. Oh, okay. I don't know how many they're shipped, but 400. Probably 400. 400 seems like probably that's their entire. Yeah, here it is. Uh, it affects 439 roadsters sold under the 2.0 and 2.5 model names. Uh, they've actually had a previous recall, 345 roadsters in, uh, of their version 1.0. Uh, apparently, a battery. A power cable in the vehicle could short out and catch fire. Okay. So, uh, doesn't sound too good. No. But, this but one, they've just apparently started production with government money. They yes. got a huge amount of money. Half, from a, our, half a billion dollars. From Obama. Yep. And uh, since, you know, it's not Democrats and Republicans anymore, it's no, Obama. It's, it's Obama. It's just Obama. So Obama gave him the money. Uh, from, from his stash. Ske- sketchy operation seems to me from his stash and uh you know so so rich people can buy a hundred twenty five thousand dollar extremely small electric car yeah which is and it's a girly one at that a little bit i, I agree with that so it's there, kind of a girly design so there's this uh well the lotus by itself i think it's just kind of a girly car so there's a tree snake. You know, snake. Letterman bought one and had to send it back because he couldn't he get couldn't, into he it. He can't fit in it. No, he's way too big for that car. Uh, you, six, six foot is about it. Yeah. It's girly. Um, so there's a tree snake problem in Guam. And uh, we, have, we have a base there, don't we, in Guam? Don't we own that place? Yep. Yeah. 
So the uh, the Navy has a rather novel way of getting rid of the tree snake problem. How would you get rid of tree snakes, John? I'm sure you've been an inspector for uh, the you department. Shoot them. <laughs> well, here's what they've done. They are bombing the island with frozen mice oh, yeah, stuffed with uh, acetaminophen. 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 What is that? This is some kind of poison, apparently. Tylenol. Uh, What? uh, Tylenol? Yeah. Does Tylenol kill snakes? Well, in high doses, it'll kill you. Wow. Okay. Well, why don't they just put poison in there? (laughs) They don't want the snakes to die with a headache. (laughs) Here it is. The frozen mice are strapped with cardboard wings and green streamers which slow their fall and catch them on tree branches. I, somehow, I just really like this. <laughs> I think that's really cool. And I'd like to see some video. If we have any listeners in Guam, I'd like, to see, at work. I'd like to see the frozen mice with cardboard wings falling from the sky. I'd like to know what company got contracted to manufacture <laughs> these things. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can find it from the D- Department of Defense Appropriations uh, bill here. I might be able to find it, actually. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. That's very innovative. That's how we are here in America. We're, we're very innovative. We come up with really good stuff. We come up with good stuff. So there were indeed 15 Chinooks flying over the hills yesterday. 15. Play the emergency. Play the emergency alert network uh, broadcast uh, uh, copy. Oh, hold on a second. Got it here. This is the coordinated monthly test of the emergency alert system equipment. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have received timely emergency information. This concludes this test of the emergency alert system. (laughs) What's the point? (laughs) Both Eric and I have noticed... Control, after what he did to Victoria, what do you think... I don't know what that was. Yeah. Uh, Eric and I have both noticed this is being played a lot. Oh, really? But th- doesn't that happen at the beginning of each month? Isn't it like the first Tuesday of each month? Well, maybe or? maybe it's just a coincidence. Hmm. But it's so old-fashioned because I guess these beeps or something, it's supposed to trigger. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I don't think it actually works anymore. I, mean, I, I mean, wonder. I mean, because the way, the way it used to work, uh, having worked at a 10-watt FM station in Salem, West Virginia is you actually have an emergency broadcast system box, and it's monitoring another station, apparently a bigger station nearby, and when those tones are triggered, then that triggers your emergency broadcast box, and then you start to broadcast the tones. I mean, I mean, we, although it's, it happens to be... Sounds like a modem. Yeah, what well, happens to be broken today, but I mean, I can send an alert to iPhone apps. I mean, what is, what is this bull crap? It makes no sense. It just makes no sense that that is actually how the emergency broadcast... No- and by the way, did that go off on September 11th? Don't worry, I have the answer for you. No. It failed. Nothing went off. Huh. Anyway, uh, Slave Greg here in the Hollywood Hills says uh, he just shot a little YouTube, which we'll put up on uh, 
NoAgendaTV.com and the show notes, NoAgendaShow.com. Of these 15 Chinooks, just so you know that I'm not crazy, these 15 Chinooks flying over the Hollywood Hills, and he sends me a follow-up note, you know, uh, you and John always say that the real news has more to do with movie promotions than actually being useful. Well, I ran across an article about a movie coming out in 2011 called The Battle for Los Angeles. No. And look at the first photo. Chinooks with UFOs around them. So this could, they, could, they could actually just be filming the movie, for all I know. You know they probably are. It, it probably I, is exactly that. And Greg, you're, very, you're on the ball, my friend. That's a, that's a very, very astute uh, bit of work there you've done. You know, a, we, find, we find the movie angle on so many stories nowadays that I'm wondering that if when somebody, does, in hindsight, 100 years from now, gets a hold of all our old shows, it turns out that everything was a movie. Was a movie. <laughs> we actually brought no insight to anything. It was just all about movies. I'm telling you, the plot involves an alien attack on Los Angeles and a platoon must fight to save the city. According to the makers of this film, this uh, movie is based on true events from the 1942 Battle of Los Angeles where an unidentified object appeared over the city, initiating air raid sirens and a barrage of anti-aircraft gunfire. And here's a picture of a UFO flying through, I'm going to count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten in the picture. Well, there could easily be five. It's probably taken from one. There's probably four others. So I'm thinking that these guys, you know, what, I'm think, what I'm worried about, that they're flying around my house, they're doing a movie shoot. Yeah. It's, it's the it's, same colored Chinooks, by the way. That could be. <laughs> by the way, the chat room says they've been noticing these uh, emergency alerts on a weekly basis. Really? Well, it's because of uh, Mumbai-style attacks. That's why, John. Could be Mumbai style attacks on the way, on the way, my friend. Some Haiti news. Uh, we finally got a bio for Adam, uh, Thomas C. Adams. The um, this is the uh, the dude from the State Department who uh, is now in charge of uh, the money for Haiti. He's the money man. So they finally uh, put up a. Uh, a biography page for him at the uh, State Department with a crazy URL, so you just get that from the show notes. Haiti Special Coordinator, term of appointment, September 30th, 2011, to present. So I guess it's just one year. That's funny they do that backwards. Uh, He's named Special Coordinator for Haiti by Secretary of State Clinton. He is returning to the department after retiring in June of 2008 from a 35-year career in the U.S. government, much of it focused on managing foreign assistance. Spook! And uh, what was he doing during his retirement? He was uh, teaching at the Foreign Service Institute. Hmm. You know what the Foreign Service Institute is? It's yeah, where, it's, a one of, it's a CIA front, It's where they it? teach spooks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's literally it's it's spook school where they teach you you know culture and language of all these yeah, countries it's mostly you, for economic hitmen right it's totally spook yeah hitman spook school he also served as the vice chairman of the romanian american foundation a 150 million dollar grant making organization which supports education and other initiatives aimed at promoting a strong market economy and the rule of law in romania yeah <laughs> So, th- so they had to bring this guy out. There was no one else, no one else who could figure out how to get the money to Haiti except for this. And I got to send this to you, John. 
You just got to look at this. Hold on. You got to look at this guy. Tell me that this guy, he might as well have a badge that says spook. He lo- he just looks like one. They do, they, they, they do all get a look at it. And they, totally. You know, one of the problems that they do have is that there's a milieu thing that takes place. If you're, you know, it's like if you uh, hang around cops for a long This happened to me. Uh, when I was an air pollution inspector, I had... Uh, I was working when they, with this when they had also a bunch of police that were brought in to do uh, pullover trucks and, and violators or smoking uh, cars. And so you'd hang out with all these cops. And for after a couple of years of hanging out with cops, you'd go into a bar or something and people would say, are you a cop? <laughs> because you'd pick up these nuances that you don't even know you have. <laughs> Yeah. And I had him for a bit. It was great, by the way. And it, so everyone thought you were a cop. And, and then after I stopped working with these guys, it took about two or three years for it to go away. I never knew what it was. But back in the day, they didn't say cop. They said fed, didn't they? To no, you? I was a cop. Fed. You look like a local police. Uh, it was just different, I guess, than a fed. That would be a different milieu. But you, you have all these characteristics that you don't even know what they are. And, I, and I, spooks are very much the same way. They, they, I don't know. And they, there's nothing they can do about it because you're having meetings all the time with other spies. Mm-hmm. You have to go to the office once in a while. <laughs> <to> hang out. <laughs> you're going to pick up a certain look and feel and uh, a milieu indicator that will people, if they know what they're doing, they can spot you. This is a, I don't know how they deal with that. You've got to go to the office. <laughs> That's funny. Got to go to the office once in a while. <laughs> Did you see the picture of the guy? Does he look like a total yeah, spook yeah, or he looks what? Like, he probably, yeah, I can't. Yeah. So anyway, so just uh, always, they always have the gray, the either the gray or sandy gray hair. We have. Uh, I've never seen a black-haired spy. There's uh, something on the stream today, John, which is. I you know and yeah it could be our stream provider but maybe we just once again we're getting too close to the truth I always I'm always very suspicious of that why now it's like some countries is not working whatever uh, but there's more Haiti news this is great this is from Reuters um you're gonna love this Haiti has asked an architectural planning charity founded by Britain's Prince Charles to help guide the rebuilding and makeover of the earthquake-devastated historic center of Port-au-Prince. So if it wasn't bad enough that we have that jabroni Clinton in there, now they're bringing in his wingman, Prince Charles. So I'm, I'm at the store yesterday. The new, you know, the, there's the National Enquirer, there's another one called The Globe. Yes, well, it's the, it's the same company, right? Headline. Big headline across the globe. It says, Prince Charles is gay. <laughs> oh, news alert. Really? That's what Mimi said when I mentioned this. <laughs> really? You don't say. Prince Charles is... No, really? <laughs> but it was the fun. I should have bought it except for the fact that the globe, these, these, this is a rag, right? It's $3.69 to buy one crap. You know, just for the headline, wasn't worth it as a, as a frameable yeah. artwork. And we are we are on a budget. Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. Well, after after this week's donations, yeah, we're on a, we're on a budget. So anyway, uh, so and this company is they've caught caught something called the smart code, which is a way they build urban areas, and uh, it's just more it's just more elites moving in. Bad, just bad news. I feel really really bad. 
And uh, and I think we need to talk about uh, Stuxnet, John, because I've I've been doing a lot of study. Um, I got a lot of emails, but not really from any sysadmins, which makes me kind of um, wary. So I got an email from someone who works in the industry, uh, but cannot be identified. He has to be anonymous. He is a $5 a month uh, supporter of the show. He says, it's been really hard listening to you and John go on about the Stuxnet virus. I work for a Siemens competitor as a network and server infrastructure and security consultant. We've been tracking Stuxnet for months now since it directly impacts our industry. There's a couple things. First of all, he says, the stolen digital certificates are for signing drivers. Um, This, uh, apparently, these stolen certificates does appear to be real. Uh, They are valued at, if you had to buy them on the black market, at $250,000 per certificate. Um, Then he goes into a whole bunch of things about when no one really knows uh, what this thing is intended to do. The primary mode of transmission is via Windows vulnerability. Uh, It's in how icons are handled. Viewing the icon is enough to cause an infection. A vulnerability, quote, this good is worth $250,000 to $500,000 on the black market. So that doesn't sound like that's any type of... uh, state that is doing this however um symantec uh issued their report the w32.stuxnet dossier it's a pdf linked in the show notes noagendashow.com i have read through this entire document and uh found a couple of interesting things so how do they link this to iran uh and actually the mossad and iran in their report uh, there's a, a value found in one of the DLLs. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, the value is equal to 19790509. That's when apparently the threat will exit, which makes no sense in, when you hear the next line. This is thought to be an infection marker or a do not infect marker. Okay, so if, if the machine somehow has this value in it then it will not be infected uh if this is set correctly infection will not occur the value appears to be a date of may 9th 1979 and this is in the official report while on may 9th 1979 a variety of historical events occurred according to wikipedia habib aighanian was executed by a firing squad in tehran sending shockwaves through the closely-knit Iranian Jewish community. He was the first Jew and one of the first civilians to be executed by the new Islamic government. This prompted the mass exodus of the once 100,000-member-strong Jewish community of Iran, which continues to this day. Symantec cautions readers on drawing any attribution conclusions attackers would have the natural desire to implicate another party. I mean, this is crazy. Hey, what is going on with this? And this is an official semantic report, and and they're like, oh, this date, oh, let's Wikipedia that, oh, this is this has got to, oh, oh, this has got to be about uh, the Mossad. Uh, I don't know. You got me. Then there's, uh, and this is the date that I think uh, you want to write down in the book, the date that nothing will happen. Uh, Stuxnet reads a date from the configuration data. 
If the current date is later than the date in the configuration file, then infection will also not occur and the threat will exit. The date found in the configuration file is June 24th, 2012. That is apparently when uh, the world uh, demises. June 24th, 2012. And uh, I don't know, man. It's like, I I just I have a very, very hard time believing this is real. I mean, it, it may be a real worm, but the, you know now the week has uh, the front page of their magazine cover is the worm in Iran. Uh, according to uh, other reports from Gitmo Nation Lowlands, this uh, worm has already attacked a satellite and has disabled a satellite. Uh, the satellite being mm, Insat 4B. Uh, which knocked out 70% of all Indian satellite television, Hmm. who then had to switch to a Chinese provider. No, Uh, that would be indicate Chinese uh, origin of the, uh, of the worm. That could be what it's all about. Grabbing some, uh, some, some, some contracts. Well, there's only two things I can think of. One, it's total bullshit and it's, yeah, it's out there, but it's just, distraction or whatever or be afraid or let's get the cybersecurity team to lock down the internet or it's actually the demon as written by david suarez and it's out to bring down all companies worldwide which is what i'm really hoping for (laughs) that would that would be great you read the demon uh, read demon and freedom and yeah, I have and, a copy. I'll read it. And you'll be, you'll be hoping it happens. It, it sounds great. I'd love to be a part of the Darknet. Well, if it brings us in more donations, I'd hope. Well, we, we'd get Darknet points, credits. So there's a... Okay. <laughs> you done with that one? Yeah. I just had to update it because it's fascinating to me. Yeah, no, I think you should keep following it because obviously we don't have the right... We don't, do not have any inside track on this thing at all. Well, all, well, the only, well the, the, the somebody only, must. Well, here's the question I have, and this is what I can't find anywhere. Why is it called Stuxnet? Because nowhere do I find a reference that says like it's, it's, it, it logs as Stuxnet.dll or anything like that. Why is it... Where does this name come from? That's what I want to know. Stuxnet. Where did the name come from? Why? All right, well, what does that we... refer to? Because that's clearly the biggest clue. And though I appreciate the anonymous information from a competitor to Siemens, eh, you know, I want sysadmins. I want people who have had, had their hands on this thing to take a look at it. You know, I don't see them coming up with anything. So, and I trust the sysadmins. Yeah, more than anybody else. Okay, yeah. um, go to www. This is, by the way, just a uh, this is a stub, as it were, of an idea. But there's something up with this particular website and a company, a couple of groups called Envir. Have you ever heard of Environment America? No. In- Staff in 29 states in Washington D.C. Environment America. No. Yeah, environmentamerica.org. But first, before you go there, go to Go60. They're behind Go60MPG.org. Oh, no. Go60MPG.org. <sighs> Let's drive away from oil. <laughs> Act now to get an average fuel efficiency of 60 miles per gallon by 2025. What is this the, about? What is this the point? Is a, 
I'm not sure. That's why I said it's a stub. But Environment America comes up in the thing, and so does the Natural Resources Defense Council. The Sierra Club and the Union of Concerned Scientists will go along with anything. I, get, I think they got nothing to do with this. But this this Environment America thing, which is another big board, and they're huge. And huh. I think they're behind this because their website is very similar. It looks like it was designed by the exact same person. And uh, I'm just wondering who these guys are, if anybody knows. They're on 44 Winter Street in Boston, in the Federal Advocacy Office. This is an expensive operation. You can't have a Federal Advocacy Office in downtown Washington, D.C. without spending a few bucks. Oh, yeah. Real estate there is a bitch, I hear. Uh, So they've really, they've they've stopped attacking our our systems. Um, It's the Stuxnet, dude, I'm telling you. They've stopped attacking our Skype connections directly. They've just gone straight to the provider. They, you know, I'm streaming. The stream is going out, and uh, but it's it's being blocked or chopped or whatever. It's it's being. Well, luckily, most people download the. Uh... Yeah, but it's it's annoying. Yeah, totally. Well, it's just enough to annoy you and throw you off track. Well, no, I just want to restart the server, and now I can't find the restart button again. Hmm. Anyway. Let's do some of your clips, man. You, you got a couple of good clips I don't want to miss out on. Cause we often, well, we, we there's don't nothing get great to here, but, but let's, we'll play a couple of things. Here's an, I thought this was interesting. Uh, oh, but, oh, let's talk about this. I play the thoughts on Rahm Emanuel. Ooh, yes, uh, who indeed left to be... Uh, to, to run, run for, for mayor. mayor of Chicago. I mean, stylistically, I think there was some dysfunction in the West Wing that had to be dealt with because of Emmanuel's personality and his approach to issues. But there was a lot that was accomplished. Um, the difficulty is what was accomplished isn't necessarily popular. I think where you're going now with Rouse, with some others from the campaign coming in, like a David Plouffe, what's interesting is what does it all amount to, you know? Uh, and I think what you're seeing is more of a return to what was really effective about the architecture of the 2008 campaign, and perhaps in Pete Rouse, where, where Emmanuel was not as effective, is confounding, something that Peggy talks about. How good was Obama at confounding his Republican critics? Well, as it turned out, not very good. And maybe they've got a, a, a cast now who might be a little better at that, okay, and it may be high time stop. for that, given uh, the balance of... So they could go confounding. Who cares? So I was listening to this. There's a bunch of specials about this. There's one funny line in here, which I don't have, which is, you know, uh, Peggy Noonan says, you know, how important is this to the average person? Does, does the wife come barreling into, your, uh, into the bedroom saying, honey, honey, Rom is out. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares except for the fact that these guys have become so powerful. So I did a little research on the, on the history of the uh, – Chief of Staff, which during the Roosevelt administration and before it, Roosevelt, maybe it was Truman that changes a little bit, but Nixon definitely. Uh, the guy was this person was always called the personal secretary to the president, and that's what he was. He was just some, you know, he, he made sure that there wasn't conflicts. He wasn't like this guy who's a big ogre that bosses people around like Emanuel does, or in the fact of the Nixon administration was was Haldeman, who apparently was to be feared. And then somebody analyzed this properly, saying somehow along the lines, this chief of staff, an unelected official, has essentially become America's prime minister. Really. Yeah, and if you think about it, 
you know, it was, it's like a new thing. I mean, you never had this, this, why is this guy so powerful? He's not an elected official. Why is he calling the congressman and threatening people and making, and being, you know, this, this horrible character that is, you know, while well, the president is isolated, when did the president, when was it okay for the president to be isolated from the public and this, and this chief of staff character to run everything? He's essentially running everything. Yeah, and um, and did you see the guy that they've brought in? Yeah, Rouse, a, pro- a professional. Uh, the guy, what did the president say? Uh, Rouse will fix it, whatever. No, what's his, Jim? What's his name? That's, I don't know what his first name is. Let me look. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was the chief of staff for John, uh, for, uh, for Dashiell when he was uh, in the... What uh, what bothered me about that whole handover, which I saw live, I mean, how could you miss it, is, uh, first of all, uh, Emmanuel standing there with this whole Napoleonic complex. You yeah, know, Pete like, Rouse. Yeah, Pete, right. He's standing there, you know, with his, with his hands on his hips, you know, like, and, and then it's just this whole congratulatory thing, which really just brought bile up in my throat. You know, Rom was instrumental in bringing us back from the brink. You know, we didn't have the depression thanks to Rom. We didn't have this thanks to How Rom. Does that thanks work? to Rom. Is, is Rom the guy running the thing now? I mean, this is the problem we were running into: is the government is completely out of control, and now we have these non-elected officials. They, Clinton tried this a little bit with Hillary and giving her all his powers to do the you know healthcare stuff, which she screwed up. Mm-hmm. We should mention. Uh, but these these chief, these staff guys, these chiefs of staff, seem to be running the country. Obama's just out giving speeches, floating around the the world. You know, now he, what does he do? God, dude, we didn't elect Rahm Emanuel to be to run the country. Why yeah. is he running the country? Or was? I, dude, you're asking me. Anyway, I'm just pointing this out. I think we have to keep an eye on this because this is a bad trend. No, it's horrible and. And I think this really started with the the TV show The West Wing. Ah, don't you think? Excellent. That's exactly where it started. At least in the modern iteration, it actually took place. I mean, the the actual change took place. I think with the Nixon administration with Haldeman, and I think it's been. And then somebody said, "Well, this is great. We can just have these guys run the place." Jim Baker ran the White House during Reagan, did very well. And they, and, and in fact, the show that I had the clip from, they were going on and on about how the different chiefs of staff did various, you know, quality work. Uh, with Jim Baker being the best ever, supposedly, mm. and uh, and now we have these other these new guys, and they seem to be running everything. I mean, why why do we why don't we just vote for them? Why why are we voting for the president so he can pick some guy to run things? I mean, this is kind of like uh, you know Russia, where you have <laughs> these unelected people kinda. that are you know <laughs> chosen by the elected person, and they end up running everything. It's like a city. It's like a little bit like the city manager model in a lot of towns. You elect a mayor, they hire a city manager, and they and run. They the run place. the whole show. What the hell we elect a mayor for? Uh, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> I, I I don't know how that works. I got you buffalo. You you, to, you totally do. You got me totally buffaloed. I don't know how that works. Anyway, I'm keeping an eye on this. I think it's a bad trend. I think it's a bad trend in the history of the country. Uh, okay, other clips. Yes. 
Yeah, just as a little aside, a little, kind of a lightweight clip. Uh, I've got the uh, this is this is just Bernie Sanders, who is a character. You know, he's always he's a troublemaker, an independent from Vermont. Uh, and I think this is an interesting little ditty he had in, in a testimony. He, he likes to, instead of asking questions of the, of the people testifying, he makes these comments. And this is him talking about the a very interesting comment on the income gap. Oh, hold on. For some reason that misfired, sorry. Saw a $2,000 a year decline in medium family income. The issue I want to talk about, which I hear very little discussion about, and I want your views on, is the fact that the United States today has the most unequal distribution of income and wealth of any major country on earth. Sometimes we talk about the economy like we're all in this together. We clearly are not. Now, I want your judgment and tell me what you think. In 2007, the wealthiest 1% earned 23.5% of all income in America. In the 1970s, that number was 8%. Top 1% in the 70s earned 8%. Top 1% now is earning almost 24% of all income. Do you think that that is okay? Do you think that that is an issue that the president should focus on? Do you think it's morally okay? Do you think it's economically okay? You know, I, I think that the the uh, distribution of income um, is a challenge and a problem, and it's something that uh, we need to focus on. I think as a matter of federal policy, it's really one of the things that drives the debate on whether or not to extend the tax cuts for people earning over $250,000 a year. Um, th- that it would be the wrong thing to do at a time when we have the disparity. Oh. This tax cut thing is really dragging me down. I'm so happy. Not I- that, but they, they won't make their minds up. They won't even vote on it before the elections. Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, they either do it or don't do it. I mean, they, they can't figure out whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, whether they should soak the rich or let it slide. But it's not really oh. soaking the rich. I mean, it's... It- it, it it's not even it won't even make that that big a difference from what I understand. It's 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 just a like like a distraction just to talk about it's a something. huge distraction. Just yeah. to talk about something else, you know. It's, it just makes no sense to me. And what and what are we actually talking about? You know, I, I when I was when I was a young boy, yeah, kid. When I when was, I was a, when kid. I was a kid, you know, people would talk about America and they say, you know, the one thing I really like about America. So what's that? One thing I like about America, this is always people who had visited America. If you're driving a, a, a Rolls Royce in America, people look at you and congratulate you and say, good job, good on you. I'm really proud that you made it and you made yourself rich and that's great. And that was, that's always what people who, have from, who live in, children from foreign lands who live in the United, who visited the United States will always say that they were always envious of that. And here we are, you know, the, it's, it's not even about the money. It's about fuck the rich. That's, yeah, that's the fact, way I perceive well, it. I ran a story on the blog about the, uh, really a very interesting car, the Bugatti Veyron. Oh, yeah. Which is a V, not a V, it's a W-shaped engine with 16 cylinders and it's like a two million bucks new or whatever. And, the, and it was interesting to look at the comments it was like, if I saw one of those, I'd T-bone it. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, wow, that's a pretty car. It's interesting that guy can afford it. But no, I'll T-bone it. 
No, we're about, about two steps away be- from becoming Mexico and and kidnapping people who who uh, drive a, Ro- uh, a Rolls Royce or a or a uh, Mercedes. Even in fact, in Mexico City, you know, you're always told no, nobody drives. You know, you drive an old beat up Volkswagen. If you're worth the more money you're worth, the junkier the car you drive because you can't take a chance. You're going to get kidnapped. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really disconcerting. It's. Uh... And, and I don't know what to do about it. And but what I luckily I don't really hear this. Of course, I live in Los Angeles, so it doesn't count. This is not really America. But I'm not really hearing this meme propagating on the street. I don't hear people going around like, "Yeah, man, we got to have the rich people pay for. It. We got to these Bush tax cuts, man. That's an outrage." I don't hear anyone talking about that. Do you? Uh, no. Uh, but you do hear a lot about it on TV from Democrats who are you know trying to. Uh and what exactly are these? Are these? How can we take advantage of these great tax cuts? I guess first we have to make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. That would be step one. Yeah, and then and then what are the, what, what are these tax? Do we even know what the tax cuts are about? Do we even know well, what the they're, package they're, is? They're essentially uh, it's just a lot of extra deductions for having for being married, for having kids, and things like that. It's not really, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. If they end these tax cuts, it's going to sink the economy, let's put it that way. And everybody knows it. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Well, Mimi, you have the rundown on this. Oh, don't bring Mimi in. No, I'm just asking her to tell me because she gave me the lecture last night. (laughs) But there's a lot of bad things that will take place. It will just basically, everyone's going to have to pay a lot more money. Right. And and it's going to sink the economy because you're going to have to scrimp. Until you get used to the new numbers. I thought it was like su- such a little amount of money that it really didn't matter. Not for people I'm making under. It's like, you know, a thousand here, a thousand there. But it probably amounts to about five to ten thousand dollars for people, you know, in the. Really? You know, yeah. For, you won't like it. Let's put it that way. Wait a minute. So if, if the. I mean, I don't, I don't understand it. If the Bush tax cuts uh, are retired, then you're telling me that it's going to cost me who makes less than $250,000 a year, it's going to cost me $5,000. If you make $100,000, yeah, absolutely, it'll cost you at least $5,000. Why? Uh, I don't understand. I thought it was only tax cuts for the rich. I'm not rich. I don't hit the $250,000 No, it, most mark. people, it's tax understand. cuts for everybody. That's the problem. It's not just for the rich. The, the tax rates increase for everyone. But, but, but then, John, you mean they're lying to me? No, what they're saying, they call it tax cuts for the rich to, to get political votes, but it's just tax cuts for everybody. And no, yeah, the no, they're included. very clear about it. It's tax cuts for the wealthiest Americans who make over $250,000 a year. They're very no, clear they about this. No, they pull the plug on this, they're not, they're, not voting, they're not voting in a new tax cut for the people making under two fifty. They're pulling the plug on the whole thing. Yeah, I, yeah but... It, I don't understand. I keep getting told that this is only for people who make over $250,000 a year. You're telling me this is not true? The Bush tax cuts were for everybody. Well, no, they were for the to, rich. They call it tax cuts for the rich because the rich get a tax cut too. Wow. But, but but wait a minute. Then where does the over two hundred fifty thousand dollars come from? I'm confused. Where does this? Where does that come from? That has to come from somewhere. 
Yeah, it comes from the Democrats saying they're gonna they want to pull the plug on the tax cuts for for the rich. In other words, they, you have the tax cuts for everybody. So let's chop, make an arbitrary line at two fifty, and and screw them. They don't have their their tax cuts are over, but everybody else gets to keep theirs. Well, they haven't voted for that. They just keep talking about it. And now that the the, Democrat, the Republicans who don't have control of anything, but you, apparently the Republicans said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to keep the tax cuts intact the way they are. And the Democrats says, oh, the Republicans are screwing us. They won't they won't agree to anything unless we, we, we make it to tax cuts for everybody, for the rich, tax cuts for the rich. And so it's all bull crap because most of these Democrats have more money than the Republicans. They want to, you know, reinstate the tax cuts for the rich more than the Republicans do. The Republicans are just, you know, showboat. They have no power. They haven't got the votes. What difference does it make what they think? Wait a minute. Let, 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 hold on a sec. Let, let me let me listen. Let, let's go back to the whiteboard. Maybe that I'd have to listen to this now. Now I'm very very confused because I thought that Obama had little blue dots for everybody, which was good, and the GOP, as it says here on the whiteboard, has the big red goose egg, which is bad. You may have been following. We've got a big back and forth going about the tax cuts. What I wanted to do today is just break it down real simple so you can understand exactly what the debate is about. Now, okay, so, John, this is supposed to be simple for us. Can you please work with me on this? Okay? Help me. Yeah. Is Mimi listening, too? She might be able to help. Here we go. President George Bush passed tax cuts that will expire at the end of okay. this year. Okay. He passed tax cuts that will expire at the end of this year. Were these tax cuts for everybody or just for rich people? No, no. These tax cuts were for everybody. Okay. That's interesting, because he, he does indeed, Mr. Gulag here, doesn't say uh, just for the rich. He, he just says tax cuts. Okay. And what I've done here is we got a ruler and measured out the size of the tax cut is how big the circle is by your income, which is listed at the top. From Okay, so it, it's just it's 10%, essentially, because he's going to say later on people with a million dollars would have saved $100,000. And people with $100,000 would save $1,000. That's kind of what he's saying, right? Or 10, uh, 10, 10%. It sounds like, sounds like well, he doesn't say 10000 Well, let's listen. Incomes up to people who make more than a million dollars a year. Obama would preserve a couple thousand dollars a year tax cuts for virtually all Americans. And Okay. So he wants to preserve tax cuts under $250,000. Is that what's being said? Yeah. Ah, okay. Even for people who make a lot, they get to keep the tax cut on the first $250,000 of their income. Ah, okay. Now I understand. Oh, boy. Wow, that's really interesting. Thank you for helping me through this. So these tax cuts were not the Bush tax cuts for the rich. They want to put legislation in place that actually turns those into tax cuts for the rich. Uh, no. <laughs> No, wait, wait, no, no, no. They want to say up to 250... No, no, it's retroactive. So they'll say these tax cuts don't expire if you make under... That's the, the legislation they are proposing, but they haven't voted on. I haven't even seen the legislation. Um, so we'll keep them in place up to $250,000, and everyone over $250,000, uh, those go away. Is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but they're twisting it around and saying... Bush had tax cuts for the rich, but that would only be true if uh, it's not just it's not true. <laughs> it's basically the problem. No, it was it's tax cuts true. for everybody. But the Democrats like to promote the tax cuts for the rich, saying, why do these guys get a big break? 
Uh, and the whole thing. But we all get a break. We all get a break with these tax cuts. Everyone yeah. gets a break. So if yeah. they retire them and they don't vote on uh, the two hundred fifty thousand or below level, then we all get screwed. Right. Whoa. In fact, the lowest tax bracket becomes fifteen percent. All other brackets raise by rise by three percent, and the top bracket goes from thirty five to thirty nine point six percent. So, so uh, let, and top bracket shows up probably at uh, you know fifty grand. Okay, or so. let, let me just listen to the to the last thirty seconds of this, and then I'll know if I completely understand it. Under the Republican plan, however, people making more than a million dollars a year. They're going to be getting a tax cut of more than $100,000. Right, but that means that uh, people uh, making 100000 are also getting a, a, uh, a tax cut. Yeah. Under the Republican plan, under the goose egg plan. That's expensive. Giving these big red eggs to the very high-income people would cost $700 billion that we would have to borrow to give it. If you ask objective economists and analysts around the country about what is effective, you will find that everyone agrees that these giant tax cuts for very high-income people giant? are the least effective thing that we can do to get the economy growing. Uh, so- okay. Okay. I get it. Now I finally understand. So There's a bunch of other things. Mimi wrote down a note here I would read. Uh, tax rates on dividends goes up. Child tax credit cut in half. Personal exemption is phased out. Marriage penalty increases. All these things. So, Increased so, capital gains. So, so wait. So these are all. If uh, if the if the tax cuts expire, then all of these taxes come back on everybody. Yeah. But again, what the Democrats are saying is, uh, I'm sorry, Obama, not the Democrats, Obama, uh, is they want to put legislation in that would make it only for. Uh, people who make over two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Is there a bill anywhere? Has there something been drawn up? Is there something? Yeah, I, can I think read? there's a couple of bills out there. But here's the deal: they're not going to vote on this till after the elections. And I think what the showdown is is the following: the Republicans want want this to be the way it was before, and they're going to just not vote at all. And the Democrats are going to have to either do it themselves, which they can, uh, which they can before the elections. They might not be able to until after, you know, they might not be able to after the elections. But they, the Democrats could just vote this crazy idea in right now, this, you know, just soak the rich and let the rest of us keep the tax benefits we had. But they won't do it. They're, they're afraid to do it because whatever happens, if tax rates go up, they figure that they're going to get, you know, blasted by the uh, – but in the 2012 elections, and if they and if and they won't be able to blame the Republicans, but after the elections, they might be able to. I mean, the whole thing is political. They don't care about our tax rates at all. Wow. So uh, I'm actually blown away by this. So essentially what's happening here is the Ministry of Truth uh, is propagating the message that uh, Bush had tax cuts for rich people. And, and the worst part about it, by the way, the 250 limit, which is the reason the Republicans are probably against the idea generally, even though I think they'd rather just stall it so that so people get totally screwed and Obama gets voted out. But 250 really includes small businesses, a lot of small, you know, middle income people who have like dry cleaners and, and small businesses. They, everything's rolled into their income tax. And so the 250, they're going to get nailed. It's going to put a lot of small businesses, which, by the way, is the big trend in this country is to screw the small business guy and make big corporations the you know the most important thing and it, it, the whole thing stinks wow science! Science! 
It's in. Everybody well, agrees. Well, would you please thank Mimi for uh, for certainly setting me straight on that? And uh, that's really interesting. I'm not, now I'm going to start reading some of these proposals um, because this is something that you, if you can explain it properly, and maybe you need a whiteboard with some big goose eggs, then you can really blow people away because this is a huge lie. It's just a big lie. It's just, and I don't even think the, the jabronis on television understand it themselves. They all believe that there are Bush tax cuts for the rich. Well, they, they, the meme is in. You know, the, once the meme got established as tax cuts for the rich, I mean, it was they were stuck with it because the the news readers, the Rick Sanchez's of the world, were using the term, and so was everybody. You know, Rachel Maddow says it constantly, and so does Olbermann. And what are you supposed to do? We need to, well, what we're supposed to do is you and I will come up with a way to help people explain this in three sentences or less for Thursday's show so they can go out and hit people in the mouth about this because this is an outrage. I mean, it's, it's one thing about being lied to about 9-11, but this tax cuts for the rich thing, that really has me pissed off. Good. <laughs> Coming to you from Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. I'm Adam Curry in the morning. And from Gitmo Pacific Northwest where it's, oh my God, it's overcast. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday right here on No Agenda.